Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. I like that intro. That was nice. Usually intros are like, this is the person's credentials. This is why you should listen to him. And I'm like, this don't really matter. I love Jesus. I hope that matters enough. That's what matters, right? So thanks, Amy. That was really uh, kind of you. Um, and yeah, what a, what a gift it's been to be uh, with many of you. I see a lot of familiar faces from yesterday to get to hang out uh, for everyone everywhere. There we go. Uh, yesterday and uh, to talking about evangelism, about sharing Jesus with our neighbors, our friends, our family, our coworkers. Uh, we we want to see the kingdom come, Amen. In this part of the world, it's, it's, it's here and it's increasing. And Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will will be done. We prayed that this morning. We want to see more of that. And, and we, we need to be equipped, equipped, the body of Christ, all of us, equipped to be able to share our faith and live it out. You know, we think, uh, well, let's get filled with the Spirit, and that's great. And then we're kind of like, hey, figure it out, church, on your own. That's, we we want to empower the church, equip the church, uh, motivate the church toward that. So I'm really excited, Greg, that you invited us here to be a part of just a piece of that. I know you're doing so much fantastic work, even just hearing last night about the things that are taking place in the city, sorry, the town, the town uh, of, uh, of Beaver Lodge, and, uh, and how the... The people at the community center are saying, you know, the church. They know you as the church that helps. That, uh, I, I just love that. I love the, um, yeah, that's wonderful. So I celebrate that with you. And I just want to say thank you for your hospitality. Man, this is, you guys have received us so well. Staying with Esther Friesen a couple nights ago and then with Nick and Amy last night. We've, we have, I'm like so full. Homemade food, soup, and buns, and all the rest. So thank you. This is lovely. I can't wait to come back. Uh, hopefully you'll invite me back. We'll see after this sermon, but yeah. Um, as Amy said, I do have the, the privilege of, uh, of working out of our district office of, as the domestic mission catalyst. You're probably thinking, what does that mean? Great question. Uh, in summary, what I, what I get to do most uh, is help churches and leaders start new churches, uh, to see people in places where the gospel is not yet known or proclaimed or has been uh, you know, spoken in a language or a mode that people can understand and engage with, to see them empowered and sent out to be able to do that uh, alongside of, uh, of those communities. So um, yeah, I just when I think of the, the, the vision statement for the church too, it's like, man, isn't that what it's all about? To make Jesus known, his love, his presence and power uh, to every person, every man, every woman, every child, every place across the earth, that Jesus will be made known, that he will be king. And so I, I just I celebrate your, your faithfulness, Beaver Lodge Alliance Church, your faithfulness to Jesus, your faithfulness to the gospel, and your, and your hard work and your commitment and your sacrifice to, to see Jesus become truly known in this part of the world. Amen and amen and amen. Keep going. Keep going. Um, uh, let me just introduce myself a little bit more. Uh, I have a family. I'm not just by myself. This is my family. We just did fall photos, so I'm like, I'll show it off a little bit. But um, uh, I was at a local church in Airdrie, so just outside of Calgary, and that's where I met and married my wife, Katie. And we have three kids. Maverick is the oldest. Uh, he's the one with the big smile. And then Avelyn is our, our middle child. She's our daughter. And then Iverson is uh, our youngest. He's five, and he is full of 
life and energy, and his favorite thing to ask me is, Dad, can we wrestle? I'm like, yeah, buddy, we can wrestle. So, so that's my family. Um, and uh, yeah, I also want to bring greetings this morning from our, our district office, uh, from our district staff, and particularly our district superintendent, Brent Trask, um, and from the rest of our family of churches all across Alberta and one in the Northwest Territories. 112 churches, about 140 different congregations, all of, we're, we're one big family in Alberta, and then we're also one big family with the Alliance across Canada, and then the Alliance across the globe. And so, Beaver Lodge, just would you know that we praise God uh, for you, for your partnership in the gospel with us, as we seek to make multiplying disciples of Jesus, who, by the power of the Spirit, would partner in the Father's mission of redeeming and restoring the whole world. Really, it's this idea of, of joining the Father's mission uh, that I want to talk to you about today, uh, of how God's calling each and every one of us to partner with him in his great mission of transforming the world, of redeeming and restoring all things, seeing his kingdom come and it's all its beauty, all its fullness. However, before we go any further, I, I want us to pray together. And I want to pray a prayer that, that many Alliance churches across the nation pray. It's our national vision prayer. So would you join me in praying this? Oh God, with all of our hearts, we long for you. Come and transform us to be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and mission-focused people, multiplying disciples everywhere. Amen. Amen. Well, did you know that right now, this morning, that our family of churches... Uh, across the Alliance in Alberta is worshiping in over 16 different languages. Isn't that cool? 16 different languages. Just two Sundays ago, Katie and I, uh, my wife and I, we, we had the privilege of, uh, uh, of joining and worshiping in Spanish, although I didn't understand a thing, but worshiping with a brand new congregation in Calgary that's reaching out to the Hispanic community. Uh, a part of First Alliance Church. And that's just one of the, you know, the 16 different language groups that are represented across the Alliance in Alberta. And I, I mean, like, that's incredible. I love that. I love being part of such a diverse family of churches. And, and this is a, just a beautiful picture of the diversity of the body of Christ. And I would say it's clear evidence, friends, it's clear evidence that the, the, the good news of the life, the death, the resurrection and victory of Jesus that it has and it is reaching out to the ends of the earth. Friends, uh, the kingdom of God is advancing. And it has been ever since Jesus arrived on the scene some 2,000 years ago announcing the time has come. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has come near. It is at hand. Jesus came announcing the arrival of the kingdom. Right, we think too in, uh, in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus, he's speaking out of the scroll of Isaiah chapter 61. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for captives, release from darkness the prisoners, to rebuild the ancient ruins, restore places long devastated, renewed ruined cities. This was an integral part of his ministry, right? Surely this was the, this was the reason why he gave his life as a ransom for many was to bring about the redemption of all things, all, the, all things back to the way that God intended at creation, unblemished by sin, untainted by the, 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 the wickedness, the wickedness in the world that we see so often. Jesus is in the business of renewing all things. He's in the business of, uh, of changing and transforming the world, and I mean, this is good news, amen? 
It's good news. It really is. And yet it gets better. You see, he's also invited us, each and every one of us, to join him in that mission of changing the world. Just, just think of those famous words of Jesus found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. We mentioned it yesterday, if you're here for everyone everywhere. Matthew 28, Jesus' disciples are gathered around him and he says these words. He says, go. Don't, don't stay here, but go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded and, and I'll be with you. I am with you always to the end of the age. Or what about John chapter 20? The disciples are gathered in that upper room, locked doors for fear of the Jewish leaders, and Jesus appears to them. He says, as the Father has sent me, so now I'm sending you, go. And then what does he do? I'm not gonna do it, because that'll be weird, but you know, he breathes on them. He says, receive the Spirit. Explicit in these verses is is the fact that this wasn't just Jesus' call. It's not, it's not just his thing to own, but he actually empowers us. He, 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 he commissions us and he sends us out that this would be, be our mission as well. Go, says Jesus, in the same way that he has been sent in the power of the Spirit. Go and, and change the world. Go and introduce people to the Father. And just like Jesus' first disciples just like the early church and, and all, all the global church, the universal church who have come before us and up until this very day, friends, you and I have been invited to join Jesus in that great mission of redeeming and restoring all things. And I mean, let's be honest, right? Uh, the, the world is longing for change these days, isn't it? Like, man, we've just come through a really hard couple of years, right? Think of the times that we're in. I can't help but be reminded of, uh, of Paul's words in Romans 8, where he says, since the fall of mankind, right, way back in Genesis 3, that, that all of creation is groaning, groaning as in the pains of childbirth, and right up to this very present time, creation's groaning for change. Any, I was going to say, any parents out there, clearly, that was amazing, by the way, all these kids, I, I got hit like four times, and I loved it, I'm like, praise God, this is amazing, I, I love just the freedom and the expression of worship, you know, these flags, Jesus is king. I, I love that. But you, there's, there's some parents out there, right? You saw a picture of my family. Uh, I've got a few kids. Um, you're thinking of, uh, you know, childbirth and, and labor. Like, man, my wife groaned during that, that season. Groaning is a, is a part of, uh, of childbirth. Groaning is a sign of what is to come. And creation is groaning, friends waiting with eager expectation for her liberation, her freedom, her restoration and transformation. Do you, do you hear it? And let, let me tell you this. Creation's groaning, and yet, man, social uprising, economic reform, another vaccine, a, another convoy, another prime minister, you know, burning the whole thing down. None of that. Man, none of it. None of it's the ultimate answer to the redemption that Jesus wants to bring. The answer is only found in him. It's only found in him. Jesus came to change the world. And he's invited us to join in. So if we've been invited by God to to do that, to join in, and if we are are, really going to see the kingdom come, we're going to see transformation take place right here, Beaver Lodge, Alberta, the, the birthplace of so many amazing things, 
of movements, of leaders, godly women and men. Right? What, 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 what are the keys, if you will, to use kind of a cliche saying, but what are the keys to seeing that, that dream of Jesus become a reality in our day? Is there some magic formula that we need to follow, right? X plus Y equals no. Is it, is it simply just a matter of, you know, straining and working harder, trying a little bit more? No. You know, maybe you're asking, is this even possible? Like, man, are you, is that just a pipe dream? Is that, is that really something that we're going to see in our day? I believe the latter to be true. I believe it's going to be true. But it's going to take a generation of women and men, just like we see in the early church, a generation of women and men who have been with Jesus, disciples shaped and marked and transformed by Christ himself, who are full of the spirit and power and who have dedicated the entirety of their lives to the mission of God, to the advancement of the kingdom, and the transformation of all things. So what's it gonna take? That's like a good missionary term, right? Wig take. What's it gonna take? And I was struck afresh this past year by the story of the early church in Acts. If you've got a Bible, you can go to Acts chapter four. We're gonna spend our time there this morning. But uh, the early church in Acts, it was this, this ragtag group of women and men, ordinary people who catalyzed the greatest movement that the world has ever seen. It's an incredible story. If you haven't read through the book of Acts recently, I would encourage you to do so. I know you're doing 1 Corinthians right now. Put that on hold for two days. Read Acts. It's amazing. But the, the, the church's birth, right? Literally thousands come to faith in Jesus. People from every nation and language and tribe and tongue. In the face of deadly persecution, man, the gospel spreads like wildfire. It's incredible. And the world around these people is transformed and all of it catalyzed by just ordinary people and so I have to ask myself you know like what what made Jesus's most early disciples uh, so effective how are these ordinary uneducated peoples able to to catalyze this incredible movement that, that we are still feeling the effects of today right how did they do it these weren't well-financed people right I, I mean they didn't have access to one of the most powerful tools of our day the internet no, no viral TikTok videos or Instagram accounts to help them out, right? They had none of the, the comforts of today. Yet they still managed to join Jesus in mission and transform the world. And so how do we, how do, we do something similar in our day? What do, we, what do we have to learn from these people? And then what are the implications for 2022? For Beaver Lodge, Alberta? Or maybe Grand Prairie, wherever you're from? What are the implications? So again, Acts chapter four, um, we're gonna spend our time there. Starting at verse 13, uh, let me read for us uh, the first few verses that we're gonna un unpack. But just for context sake, this is post-resurrection, post-Pentecost, and, and now we, we see that Peter and John, two of the early, you know, these, these are Jesus' closest disciples, but they've, they've kind of risen up to take charge and to help lead. And, uh, and they've been arrested. They healed somebody. Apparently that's a bad thing to do on a Sabbath. So nobody here, we can't pray for you today, unfortunately. I'm just kidding. Of course we will. But uh, here they are. They're arrested. Chapter 13. So when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they being the Sanhedrin, so like the, the, the legal council of Jerusalem in those days, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, 
They, the Sanhedrin, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Pause there. So as I read that, that first verse, two things stand out to me. And the first is this, that Peter and John, just like the rest of Jesus' followers, that they were ordinary men, says Luke. Ordinary. In other words, there's absolutely nothing special or unique or remarkable about these dudes, right? They're just, they're simply ordinary. Uh, just for fun, I did a word study on that, on that word ordinary in the original Greek language. Uh, and, and the word that's used to describe these guys is idiotes. <laughs> idiotes. So what, what does it mean? Unskilled, ungifted, untrained. What, what English word comes to mind, though? Like, I'm like, they're idiots. That's so harsh, man. And yet that's the infallible, inspired word of God. That's how they're described. They're idiotes. And so, I mean, like, I don't mean to offend you, but what does this have to do with us, me included, right? Again, what was it that set these guys apart? In the, in the earliest days of that, of that movement called the way, Christianity, what were those distinguishable markers? I mean, it wasn't their theological pedigree. These guys were untrained. It wasn't their political status. They didn't have any. I mean, these were, these were callous-handed tradesmen, stinky fishermen, sleazy tax collectors, a bunch of single women who bankrolled Jesus' mission. One of them, we know, was delivered from seven demons at one point in her life. Like, this is, this is Jesus' ragtag group of followers. They're, they're ordinary people, idiotes. And they radically changed the world. So why does that stand out to me today? You see, the same invitation to join God in that great mission was extended to these people. And that same invitation that was extended to those ordinary people, friends, is being extended to every one of us today as well. I mean, this is good news. Every man, every woman, every girl, every boy, regardless of your age. And there's a great age spread in this church. I I love that. Some are skewed one way or the other. I'm like, I I see babies, I see blessed saints. Like, man, everyone in between, that's amazing. Old and young, men and women, educated or not. Regardless of, of, of ethnic or socially economic background, regardless of what family you came from, regardless of how messy your past is, or maybe even your present, the invitation to join Jesus in the Father's mission is for everyone, you and me included, all of us. We've been invited by Jesus to join him. And yet I wonder, as I was preparing for this, I, I wonder if for some of you here today, you know, while God's invited you to, to literally co-labor with Christ, like that's incredible, to, to make the love, the presence of power of Jesus known. Rather than embracing that call, I, I wonder if for some of you, you've disqualified yourself. Maybe you've said, that's not for me. Maybe you've convinced yourself that it's not important. That maybe you simply don't have time or that I'm just, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not interested. What's, what's holding you back today? I don't want to assume anything, but I, but I wonder, in a group this size, likely some of you think that this, this doesn't apply. That's not for me. 
but it is. <laughs> it's not just for paid clergy persons. It's not just for Pastor Greg. It's not just for me. It's for all of us. But you need to believe it. And you need to receive it. And so if you're listening today and you're telling yourself that this doesn't apply to me, or maybe you're, you, maybe you're even hearing a voice this morning in your head or in your heart that says you're not good enough, man, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not educated enough, fill in the blanks, you're not whatever. I'm telling you right now that that's simply not true. That's not true. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus in the authority of Jesus, that, that voice, that, that statement or mantra, whatever it is, that banner maybe that's been spoken over you, that right now in the name of Jesus, that that would be torn down. Torn down. That that would be silenced, that the enemy would be bound and disarmed, and that in its place that you would hear, friend, that you would hear and believe and receive today the voice of the Father which says you are chosen. You're chosen, you're loved, you're called, you're valuable, you're needed. You've been invited to play a, play a part in God's divine drama, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. He wants to use you. He wants to see you transform the world around you. You have something to bring to the party that nobody else can. Did you know that? Again, this is good news. It really is. Man, that's great news. God longs to use you to help accomplish his mission. Just like Peter and John, everyday people, he's inviting all of us. But you gotta believe it, and you gotta receive it. I said earlier, two things stood out to me in that first verse. And the second is this. That while each of us has been invited by God to join him in this mission, if we're actually going to see right, the, the, the gospel proclaimed in power, demonstrated, word and deed, if we're going to see the kingdom come, and, and this, this town, this part of the world, Alberta, our, our nation transformed for the glory of God, we've got to be women and men who have been with Jesus. Listen once more. Salvation, well, uh, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What was it that caused these two idiotes to stand out to the religious leaders? Certainly it was their courage, right? We just, we just read that when they saw the courage of these men. But, but more than this, it's because they had been with Jesus. Truly, this is what set them apart. They, they had been with Jesus and the world took notice. The world took notice. As we think about this great invitation from Jesus and, and we ask the question, like, what, what's needed? What's it gonna take? Just like in Acts 4, it's going to take a generation of, of women and men who have been called and who've been with Jesus. And so I want to ask you this morning, are you known as someone who's been with Jesus? When people look at you and they encounter you and they talk to you, when they drive next to you or behind you, do they think, man, that person's been with Jesus? 
If I can be so bold as to say, uh, you know, this morning, friends, um, discipleship seems to be a really confusing word in the church in this era. And I think we've made a lot of mistakes in the past, and we're, we're, we're acknowledging that. And we're also confused because, like, haven't we been discipling people for years? I mean, what does it really mean to, to disciple somebody? What does it mean to be a disciple? Uh, can I just say this? Discipleship is not programmatic. I think too often we've kind of boiled it down to cognitive assent. You just gotta know more about Jesus and then you'll be recognized as somebody who's been with him. I, I, sadly, I don't think it's worked. We, we've, we've said it's, it's, it's about you know, complicated methodologies or just knowing more. It's, it's not about that and I don't think it's also about how good your Sunday attendance is. I'm not saying don't come to church, come. We need to be part of the body and the family of God. But it, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't equate to how good your Sunday attendance is or how much Bible trivia that you know. Again, certainly these things are, are helpful, but that's, that's, not, <clears throat> that's not the essence of discipleship. Rather, I think it's about being with Jesus. See, friends, Jesus is alive. We, we don't have a religion. We have a relationship with the living Christ, with God himself. If I could define discipleship for us this morning, I think I would simply say this. It's about faithfully following Jesus. It's about choosing to live your life like Jesus. It's, a, it's about allowing yourself to be changed and transformed by Jesus to become more like him and less like who I, who I was, who I am. I need to decrease. Jesus needs to increase. That, that's the essence of discipleship. And then it's about helping others, journeying with others toward the same. And it all stems from being with Jesus. You see, that's discipleship, friends. It's, it's experiential. It's relational. It's real and tangible. It's, it's a life-altering encounter with God that leaves you radically changed and hungry for more. So how do these ordinary women and men go on to change the world? What was, what was one of those distinguishable factors of this movement called the church? It was this, they, they'd been with Jesus. Right, for three years they, they, they lived with him, walked with him, learned from him. They allowed him to speak into their lives. They allowed themselves to be, to be transformed, utterly transformed by him and the world took note. So again, I, I asked that kind of personal question. Is the same true of you today? Are you known as someone who has allowed your, your identity, your character, and your conduct to be shaped by Jesus? Are, are you learning, just like his disciples, what it, what it looks like to walk like him? And I don't just mean, you know, put on some cool sandals and a robe and cruise around the Middle East for a while. But to really, truly walk, to live like he lived. Are you allowing yourself to be transformed by him? Friend, there's more. Doesn't matter if you're seven or 77, there's more. There's more transformation. There's more. Praise God, there's more. Again, while the invitation to change the world is for everyone, even, even idiotes like Peter and John, if we're gonna really see and experience the, the, the kingdom come in the, in the same measure, the same fashion as the early church did, Right? Again, thousands of people coming to Christ. The, the actual like, political and, and economic environment changed. We've got to be people who've been with Jesus. The world desperately needs to see us as such. 
Similarly, we as the church, friends, we have to be people who are full of the Holy Spirit and power. Following Acts chapter uh, 4, verse 13, right, that scene where Peter and John, they're on trial before the Sanhedrin. Upon their release, they, they head back to the rest of the disciples, says Luke. Right, they're released, they're like, all right, we're gonna gather up, and what do they do? They hold a prayer vigil. Listen to these words from Acts chapter four, starting at verse 29. Now, Lord, they pray, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. Right now, Lord, consider their threats, the, the threats of the religious rulers, the threats of the political establishment, the hostile society around them. Lord, consider their threats. We need you. Help us, enable us, empower us. Fill us with your spirit. And he did. Friend, do you want to see with your own eyes the fullness of the kingdom of heaven come in all its glory? Right? Intersecting brokenness and sin and demonic affliction and bondage and bringing about healing and restoration, the shalom, the wholeness of God. And I'm not just talking about like a one-off here or there at a weekend experience called Everyone Everywhere, but every day. (laughs) And every day, in increasing measure, that, that, that that our nation that the globe would be transformed. Do you want to see this come to fruition in your day? I, I know I do. Man, I long for that. I pray for that. And we've got to be people who are full of the Spirit. Are you full of the Spirit? You see, the disciples, they understood the absolute necessity of being endued with power from on high. Right When Jesus told them to stay in Jerusalem in order that they would be clothed with power from on high, they understood that apart from the, the power and the presence of the Spirit of God that they were utterly useless. Just a bunch of idiotes hanging out in an upper room. They understood that their witness, their ability to proclaim the gospel right, clearly and winsomely with boldness and with demonstrations of power that they could communicate in a way that would cut people to their hearts they couldn't do that on their own. Man, Peter wasn't a good enough speaker. Like, that guy's like, oh, Jesus, should we build three shelters for you? Like, he, 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 was, he was a mumbly, stumbly, goofy guy who put his foot in his mouth. How was it that in Acts 2 he could communicate in a way that thousands were cut to the heart? It's the Spirit of God. They understood this, friends. They, were, they, were, they, they knew this. They were convinced of this. So, oh God, they pray, stretch out your hand, fill us. And God answers their prayer. And then they leave that place, and what happens? They preach good news. They heal the sick. And they raise the dead. They cast out demons. They walk in increasing holiness and purity and integrity. They're intersecting brokenness and and, and poverty and injustice, and the the shalom of God comes. If we're gonna see a move like that, a supernatural move of God, we have got to be people who are full of the supernatural power of God. Amen? Amen? We've got to be full of the Spirit. If I could be vulnerable with you just for a moment. Um, Again, I talked about the weirdness of these last two years. I started a job like six months before COVID arrived, if you will. And I I have never been so disoriented in my life. I have never felt so lost and like, 
God, I don't even know what to do this hour, let alone today, let alone this week. Like, I, I, I have no idea. I, I'm, don't tell my boss this, but I'm getting a better idea, but I had, like, no idea what I was supposed to do, honestly. And, and it's like, as I look around, all that's happening, sickness and death, chaos, you know, stock markets and social uprising, Black Lives Matter, like, these, these incredible things we must pay attention to, systemic racism, like, we can't, we can't avoid that. At the same time, I'm like, I have no idea what to do. None. I've got no answer. I've got no strategy. No power. And what does Jesus say to us in John 15? He says, you're right. (laughs) Apart from me, you can do nothing. That became my verse for 2022. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And this is, again, it's good news. I can't change the world. You, you, you can't make your neighbor come to Jesus. However, through daily surrender and radical dependence on the Spirit of God, friends, you better bet that God in me and through me, that God in you and through you, that he can do, and you can do whatever he calls you to do. The honest truth is that none of us can you know, change the world, to use that language again. The disciples couldn't do it on their own. We need the Spirit of God. Uh, in the words of author Steve Addison, uh, the great movements of the Christian faith are only unleashed through the presence and power of God in the midst of his people who are faithful to his word, engaged in his mission, and led by his Spirit. And so I'll ask you again, are you full of the Spirit this morning? Are you full of the Holy Spirit and power? Maybe you were filled a long time ago. But today, maybe you're feeling somewhat dry. Maybe a little powerless. Maybe a little empty. Maybe a little confused like I've been the last couple of years. Jesus, I got no idea. Maybe you need a fresh filling. If this is you, I would, I would encourage you to simply ask this morning. We're gonna have time uh, later at the end of our, of our service in just a few moments, we're gonna have time to ask, to ask for the Spirit of God to touch us, to fill us, to encourage us. And we need to ask him. You know, Philip Yancey, he, he made a, a comment once. He said, God goes where he's wanted. That's good theology. It's true. God wants to pour his Spirit out. Kind of more than that, though. I think he wants to be asked. He's not gonna violate you. He wants you to ask. He loves it when you ask. It's what his disciples did in Acts 4. The idiotes, God, stretch out your hand, we need you. And the place where they prayed was shaken. And they're filled with the Spirit of God. God, do it again. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Uh, Third and finally, and we're almost done. If we're gonna truly live into that that invitation of Jesus, just like we see the early church doing, friends, it's going to take every single one of us Dedicating the entirety of our lives to the mission of God, to the advancement of the kingdom, to the transformation of all things. <coughs> Pardon me. No, I am a child of the 90s, okay? Child of the 90s, I was born at the tail end of the 80s. I'm dating myself. Now you know how young I am, not old. But uh, I'm a child of the 90s, and uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a byproduct, if you will, of Saturday morning cartoons. And these are like 
Cartoons that maybe some of you here in a similar generation would remember, like, you know, Rugrats and Tailspin and Dexter's Lab and, uh, you know, those fun ones, Animaniacs. But, uh, you know, the, the theme songs uh, of these shows is kind of like the, the soundtrack of my childhood, right? Like, da 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 um, That's what goes through my head, apparently. So, uh, yeah. But one show in particular really stuck out to me as a kid, and I loved it. And I'm like, looking back, I'm like, that was weird. Why? <laughs> like, I've, I have no idea why. But it was a silly show about two mice named Pinky and the Brain. Two weird idiotase mice. Well, one was an idiotase, but the other one was called The Brain, right, for a reason. And it was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, why did that leave, like, the biggest impression on me as a kid? Pinky and The Brain. It was like, one was really goofy, uh, one was really, really smart, and the other one was insane. That was like the theme song, right? And uh, they would always have this conversation in every single episode, and it would go something like this. The goofy, dorky, idiotase mice, he, w- he would kind of have a squeaky voice like, what are we going to do tonight, Brain? And then Brain, the smart one, would say, the same thing we're going to do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. That's what he'd say every episode. And you're probably thinking, Nick, why would you bring that up? That's weird and creepy and sadistic. But, you know, as, as weird and creepy and sadistic as this little mouse was, you know, all bent on, like, world domination and totalitarian control, uh, you know, even as a kid, I, I remember admiring this little mouse. You see, I admired his commitment to the cause. Regardless of the outcome or the obstacles that got in his way, and surely, like, in every single episode, something would go awry, right? Their plan is foiled, and time and time again, these, these little mice, right, their relentless pursuit uh, toward changing the world. They would, they would do it again and again and again. What are we going to do tonight, brain? The same thing we do every night. The same thing we did last week. The same thing we did a month before. The same thing we're going to do every single night until we see the results that we want. The results we long for. We're going to try to take over the world. Once again, looking at the early church. What were those distinguishable markers of Jesus' first disciples? Right, these people who, who just so heavily leaned into the mission of God, the call to see the kingdom come, to transform the world, I think it was this, friends. They were, they were so absolutely committed to the mission of God. They were committed to the cause of Christ and nothing, and I mean nothing, right? Not poverty or illness or disease, not public humiliation, not rejection, not persecution or jail time or, or floggings, not even the threat of death. Nothing could stop this ordinary group of idiotes. These people who had been with Jesus and who were full of the Spirit, nothing could stop them from catalyzing the greatest movement the world's ever seen. You see, for them, the call to join the Father's mission, it wasn't optional. Right when Jesus says, you know, go, we had those go passages, Matthew 28, John 20, the disciples knew that, that the invitation, friends, that, that, that this was plan A and that there simply is no plan B. And so what did they do? They said yes. They simply said yes to the call of God on their lives. They took Jesus at his word. They believed him. They were surrendered to the will of the Father. They were obedient to the, mans of, to the commands of Christ to, to go into all the world, preach to all nations. They were committed to the entirety of their lives, to this, this thing. Again, it wasn't just a weekend gig. It wasn't a little side hustle that you give a couple hours to here and there once a month. This was a life-altering commitment. 
It was a holistic commitment. Every moment of every day, every situation, regardless of what the outcome was, this was a radical commitment to the mission of God. Friends, are you committed to the mission of God? If we're gonna see or experience the, the transformation that I think we long for, right? probably in each of our hearts you have a dream. Man, you have a, you have a family member or a neighbor you wanna see come to Christ. You've got an issue that you're like, man, if just we could eradicate poverty, if we could see homelessness abolished, if every kid that can't afford a school lunch, man, if we could solve that. Like there's something that's burning in your heart. If we're going to see the transformation that, that we long to see and that, that creation is groaning for, it's gonna take every single one of us, an entire generation, a whole church, men and women, kids, young and old, a generation who has noticeably been with Jesus, who's full of the Spirit and who has committed the entirety of our lives to the mission of God. Friends, we're called to join Jesus in the mission. The mission hasn't changed. The work hasn't stopped. The kingdom's still advancing. And we've all been invited. As one of my profs at Ambrose University used to say, he would say it often, it was kind of weird, but the water's warm, jump in. The water's warm, jump in. Are you committed to the mission of God? Uh, in closing, I leave you with another quote from Steve Addison. In writing on movements that change the world, he says this, God loves to choose unlikely people and he works to remake them from the inside out. He inspires innovative insight regarding his mission and how it's to be carried out. Biblical truths and practices are rediscovered. A growing band of ordinary people emerges who have a heartfelt and missionary zeal that knows no bounds. And despite opposition from powerful forces, the gospel spreads into unreached fields. The existing church is renewed and society is transformed. Oh, that that would be true in our day, amen? amen. That this would be true in our day. And so I ask you this morning, what do you need from Jesus? What do you need from Jesus? The worship team is gonna lead us in one more song and as they do, I want you to reflect on that question. You know, maybe for you it's a renewed call. A renewed sense of invitation from God that he really wants you. He needs you to join him in that mission. Maybe it's a renewed sense of identity. Maybe it's to, to recommit your life to Jesus, to his kingdom purposes. What do you need from Jesus? Maybe it's an encounter with him, like a Damascus Road environment. Maybe it's a fresh filling of the spirit. Maybe it's simply just encouragement to cast aside everything that hinders and the sin that so easily ensnares. What do you need from Jesus? And then for some of you, I wanna ask the question of what's holding you back? What's holding you back? Is it fear? Is it unwillingness? Man, maybe it's self-doubt. Maybe it's even self-preservation. Is it a lack of zeal? Is it a lack of belief? Again, friends, what do you need from Jesus? That's between you and him. Praise God that he speaks and that as a sheep we get to hear his voice, to know his voice. And so God, I pray I pray, Spirit of God, that you would now speak to every single one of your kids here.
Yes, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. God, we want what you want. We want to be transformed by you. We need you. We just acknowledge that we can't do this on our own. I think, I think far too many times in history we've tried and we can't do it anymore. We need you. Oh God, we need you. So come. Show us what you have for us. Show us what's next. Speak. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.